Talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Dean Mackin on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. And g'day and welcome to the program and a special hello to all of you people in the live chat, raring to go as always. And for those of you listening to us instead of watching, why? You need to get on the the TNT radio live stream, unless, of course, you're in the car or if you're in the passenger seat, not the front, it's probably okay. I can't believe we've got that ridiculous rule that somebody in the front passenger seat in Australia, or certainly in New South Wales, can't watch a device for fear that the adult driver will turn and look at the device. Well, I'm able to control myself and not do that while my son's doing stuff, so we have to sit him in the back seat while he plays video games and watches YouTube videos when we go for long drives. Uh, just a bit of the nonsense that we have to contend with here in Australia. I will be talking uh, imminently with Gemma Cooper, who I think wants to raise the topic of Donald Trump, and wow, they are going state by state to get him, but I'll let Gemma tell you all about that. I, this hour, will be talking to Jack David. Now, Jack is a gender-critical gay rights activist from uh, north of England, and he rejects the word queer as an umbrella term to be thrown, you know, pretty much under, and believes a dangerous gender ideology should be kept out of, uh, away from children. I agree. There's a report that's just come out in the UK, and the numbers are staggering of the amount of children who are being referred to this NHS gender clinic and oh, seriously, take a Stematil uh, when we do that, because the numbers I give you will be absolutely mortifying and horrific. We'll discuss that with Jack. Of course, it's Friday. We'll be getting Omar Khan on, and I look forward to that. And I'll tell you about the second hour a wee bit later. All you have to do is hang about. Now, the government censorship bill, oh, yes, they, they're just by pure coincidence. Here it is in Australia. Now, we saw what happened when they increased the level of migrants under under former Chancellor Angela Merkel, when those numbers became just extravagant, extraordinary, just unbelievably high. It was an attack, is what it was. And people who had common sense, people who had intuition and who cared about the future of their country, and it is their country, not Ang Angela Merkel's country, uh, decided to take to the social media platforms and voice their concerns. And they were very legitimate and warranted concerns. I think you would agree. So what did they do? They ramped up the misinformation and disinformation rules. If they don't agree with you now, they'll shut you up. And then they did it again in Ireland when there was somewhat of a minor uprising over the same matters or matters pertaining to immigration, many would argue. And of course, theirs have gone a step further. Here in Australia, our pending misinformation slash disinformation laws that are coming, we were assured, we were absolutely assured we're going to be okay. You know, Rowland, you know, who is uh, the Communications and Media Authority or ACMA uh, person there said, well, you know, we won't be coming after individuals. They'll be fine. We may keep an eye on social media platforms. Of course, they already keep an eye on commercial radio and TV, and they should have left it at that. But in a leaked document recently that has come to the uh, to the fore as a result of uh, the Freedom of Information Act, we now know 
that basically what they'll be doing is holding a bullet to the head of social media companies and they will decide what is information, what is disinformation. The fact checkers will be employed and boy, will they be employed. So all of you fact checkers who lost a job at Twitter or X.com as it is now known, you may have a job. You can come to Australia and work because we'll be needing you uh, by the bus load or by the plane load, one might imagine, as they get this underway. It's rather horrific because during the um, the yes campaign or no campaign, depending on which side you're on, but certainly as, as a lead up to the referendum, the Labor government, I'll just read this part verbatim, the Labor government has taken up a censorship baton and is running with it eagerly. The government is still smarting from a thumping, and it was a thumping, voice referendum defeat as a result of the Yes 23 campaign director. Now, Dean Parkin is his name, and he blamed it on the single largest misinformation campaign that this country has ever seen took place through social media. So he's blaming that, not the fact that all of us were going to say no anyway. I'm surprised the number wasn't significantly higher, I would imagine, as per a couple or certainly one of our MPs advocating that you vote vote often. That was a hashtag that she used. Thanks, Meryl Swanson. Um, I would suggest that many did go and vote often and uh, it would have been a more resounding no had that not been the case. But they're certainly coming for you. They're coming for free speech. And um, they, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you're in Ireland, uh, if uh, you're there in the UK, in the EU, they're certainly coming for you by way of the one free speech platform that is popular. And I finally bit the bullet and paid them. I paid Elon Musk as of yesterday. I'm now got the blue tick next to my name on Twitter. So if you want to get on Twitter and add me, I'm now an active part of it. If they're going to take his money away, I'm going to give him some. Simple as that. What is it? A couple of hundred dollars a year. But I think it's money well spent because it is the a guy, a billionaire, risking billions of his own money to give you a voice. And the EU is coming after him. And I guarantee they are in lockstep with the rest of the world. That is 1000% going to be the case. But uh, Claire Nowland, I do believe your your name is, she is chafing at the bit, absolutely, to uh, stop you from saying anything that she disagrees with. And of course, you wonder about these people, you know, they must think that they're, well, they must consider themselves to be elite, to be not of us. They certainly have no regards for their own family, their own friends, or their own children, because these laws that they're passing, these dystopian, Orwellian laws, if you will, will have and uh, just change our society forever and irrevocably and for the to the detriment of their own children, their own friends and their children. And yet these people will do it. These people will do anything for a dollar. And I have seen so many people that will sell out their, their mothers, their fathers, their siblings and their own kids for a dollar. So if you think, and if you don't know one of those people, and I guarantee you do personally, who would do that on that level, you don't think that someone for a few hundred thousand or a, maybe a, a multi-million dollar payoff job at, uh, globally at the end of their political campaign or their media campaign, you don't think that they're going to sell out an entire nation? It really is ridiculous. It's quite sad and it's coming your way. It's coming our way by way of misinformation and disinformation bills. And that's what they call them. But it is about everything but that. It is just horrific. And I just wonder how many of you are going to stand up and be active are going to be vocal are going to say no i mean at first it'll just be us getting banned and shadow banned whoops hey they're already doing that aren't they but no it's going to be fines it's going to be jail sentences uh this is how they get it in by increments you know you get comfortable you get used to it then they take another step you feel a little bit uncomfortable and another step jordan peterson told us that's how we got from where we are now from where we came from 1986 
2023. A short trip, but we've come a long way and it's the absolute wrong direction. I think you might agree. Now, for all of the latest community events, rallies, marches, festivals, and fundraisers happening near you, then visit the What's On Event calendar on the TNT Radio website at tntradio.live. We'll help you to stay in touch here at TNT Radio. Abroad or at home, this is your news. By staying silent, we are part of the problem. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. And and I, I, I hijacked Gemma again. I, I suggested she might want to talk about Trump because she asked me if I was going to talk about Trump, and I thought she was. She's not. But, of course, uh, they're going from state to state, and they're trying to get him under, uh, under the Constitution. They're trying to say he is an insurrectionist. And here's the thing. Here's the thing, Gemma, if you don't mind me just talking about this for one second. Um, how can you go and use, is it Section 14 of the U.S. Constitution, Part 3, I do believe it is, uh, to say somebody or to prevent them from running as a candidate, when A, I believe that always the top job was excluded from that, that never applied to the presidency, but more importantly, I don't recall him ever being charged with insurrection. So what now I just say, hey, you're an insurrectionist, you can't run without any kind of legal proceeding. It is utter and sheer madness. And even the left-wing people should be upset because you know if they can do it to him, Donald Trump can do it to you. And that's what they need to remember. We need to absolutely ignore this kind of crap. But again, without some sort of conviction, how can they even run with this? Well, exactly. And it's it's like what you're saying about, you know, the, the cancel culture of, of what you're facing in Australia. We're facing here with the online safety bill and incremental steps to, you know, protect us all and keep us safe. And the, the silencing of Trump is, is another example of this. It's like they will do anything they can, just like with the social media. They are doing everything they can to stop normal, rational discourse. And what you've said is a very rational point. You know, it, the, the president is excluded from that. There's no legal charge, but still they want to silence that person, shut that person up. It could be any of us. That's the thing. And you're quite right. This is a lockstep approach. And it doesn't matter what if you're on social media expressing a point of view or you're the, you know, running for presidency of the United States and you have a particular stance on the world, that there is this global lockstep approach to everyone who is not in step with this dystopian Orwellian. And it is it is a dystopian Orwellian future, and it's very anti-human. And if you express those human traits of uh, standing up for yourself, standing in your power, whoever you are and whatever platform you are doing it on, uh, it doesn't matter how powerful you are and what profile you've got. You might have 10 followers. You might have 10 million followers. Um, they want to shut you up, and this is a, this is a classic example of that. Yeah, Gemma, I think what a couple of those major platforms need to do, even though there is, of course, no no uh, uh, evidence, certainly uh, Joe Biden had nothing to do with what happened at the Capitol building. But if one of those major conservative platforms was just to run a story, just to trigger lefties and say, well, now there are four states, just make them up at random, run a false story, say that the same uh, level 14 is now being used against Joe Biden to stop him running, wait for the lefties to jump on board without thinking and realise that that is just, uh, you know, just to catch them out and then quote them and then remind them of their rage when this happened to their candidate. And then possibly they might start thinking from our side. I think it's about time that we did something like that. But apparently you can only do that on April Fool's Day. But certainly these days, every day seems to be April Fool's Day. 
No, you're not wrong about that. Every day does seem to be April Fool's Day. Yeah, you're 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 absolutely right. But we're here. We're championing free speech. We're certainly not the only ones doing that, and there is a, a massive appetite for it. So, uh, you know, Natalie uh, Chill and I on Open Line because Rick Munn is away this week. So later on in the day here in the UK, um, we'll be getting together. And yesterday, all we did was concentrate on positive stories that have happened in the last few days since we've been off air for our Christmas break. And so many of those showed how the tide is really turning against, you know, so-called what would have been three and a half years ago, Tim Four hat-wearing nutters like us. Now there is a shift and people are coming over and realizing the way we're living, the way we've been taught to live is all wrong. The way we're being ruled is all wrong. The way that people have think they've got authority and power over us, just like what you were saying. You know, who are these people that think they can silence us and shut us up? There is a massive groundswell and hopefully later Natalie and I will be doing more stories and having a look, you know, at as we leave 2023 and go into 2024, changes are coming, changes afoot. It is here actually, it's not even coming, it's here. That's exactly why they want to shut us up because yeah, and, there's a shift. Yeah, and we we need to uh, get. By the way, I watched your program with you and Natalie last night, and uh, I would be very interesting interested at one point, uh, and I might even read it. That book, that Matthew Perry book that you and her both read, um, sounds very interesting. And you and I, I think, share a, a very big interest in Hollywood and you know cinema and TV shows. So I mean, I think I might get that book. Uh, would you guarantee? Uh, not guarantee. Would you recommend that as a as a read for most people? It's um, it's not for the faint-hearted. I mean, if you're looking for uh, gossip about the television show Friends, forget it. It is one man's struggle with the demons of addiction. But it proves, as we said yesterday, Natalie and I, that all the riches and all the fame and all the notoriety and all of the women and all of the money, all of it doesn't make any difference if you're in if on the inside you're not sorted out if the relationship with yourself you haven't got that down if you haven't got a good regard for the real you, forget it. Nothing external in the world is going to help you. And it is a brilliant book. He wrote it himself, no ghostwriters. It's extremely well written. It's a brilliant read. Um, but it's it's sad. It's it's a sad book, you know, and especially as we know how it ended this year for him. Yeah, I mean, it really is a horrific story. Um, and I think he was universally loved. There was one year where I would have thought of all of the cast of Friends, he was the most likely to be an international star. And there was one year where he was. He was, of all of them, he was the biggest, doing the best movies. He was that guy, uh, the go-to guy in, in Hollywood. Um, the one thing that he did that I think disappointed, uh, and I don't mean to speak ill of the dead, but when he had that that crack, that horrific crack at Keanu Reeves, he, he lost a, a tremendous um, uh, percentage of his fan base because they're very similar people in the minds of the fans, two very likeable characters. But rather than be angry with him, I just thought that must have been coming from a very, very dark place and it gave you a bit of an insight into what he might have been going through internally. And it's just a shame that uh, it, it all ended the way that it did. You know, it's uh, what, what, what can you do? What can you say? Well, I mean, addiction can't be cured. It can only be managed. It, it, I would say definitely read it, read it, and, and let me know what you think. We'll have a little chat about it on air, see if any of the people in the chat have read the book. It is, forget the celebrity side of it. It's it's about one man's struggle with himself. Uh, that's that's really the, the, the theme of the book. Forget the celebrity. It was just an illustration of how nothing external can fix you. Uh, you know, happiness is an inside job, as Natalie and I were talking about yesterday. It's a good book. It's a good book. Yeah, it's good. And, I've, you know, whilst obviously I'm not a psychologist, there might be a good book for people to suffer from depression to read, because if somebody who achieved all that he achieved can be that unhappy, then for those who are unhappy to say, I can fix this by achieving more, 
might be heading off in the wrong direction. So it might sort of uh, say, well, don't try that, try this instead. And that might get them on the fast path to uh, a return to happiness themselves. I've got many, many a friend uh, who I would never have predicted as having what we call, I don't know if it's a, a term you use in the, the UK, but they say, you know, the black dog, you know, they refer to it as the black dog depression here in Australia. And um, it's a horrific thing, but friends that I never would have picked. We've got someone who's just called in. Gemma Cooper, I thank you very, very much. And uh, we'll go to this call. And of course, you'll be joining us again next hour. Yeah, I'll bring you some news in the next hour from the UK. I think that's probably what I'm paid to do, isn't it? I'll bring you some breaking, well, as much as you can over Christmas. I'll bring you some news. I'll bring you some news. I love it. We, we thank you. Uh, that's Gemma Cooper, everybody. Who have we got on the line with us? Hello there. This is Siv. How are you going? Sid from Sydney, how are you, my friend? And uh, a happy new <laughs> year to you, preemptively. Yeah, yes, it's it's like I'm back to the 1980s again. It's fun. I'm back to the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, mate. Have, have, have you looked up radio from the 80s where jo where where one of the announcers, John Laws, or somebody would just call out hello when they literally had to answer? <laughs> no, mate. I'm not. Mate, I, I'll have. I'll like have to admit. Even though I worked with John Laws for um what fourteen years, um I, I was never a fan and I never listened to his program. I, I was a Stan Zamani guy. I was a, a Brian Wilshire guy. You know, I was that yes. guy. Brian Wilshire Brian, Brian Wilshire used to say hello there and people had to answer up until about two thousand six, <laughs> I think. That's and I'm not kidding, by the way. He literally would do that. And the reason he gave, and this kind of leads in with what I was going to talk about, the reason he gave was because he wanted to keep a lot of his callers anonymous and he was i think it was something to doubt i can't remember what the exact wording he used was but he preferred the anonymity of, anonymity of it because obviously whoever might you know he, he would he would then get uh people who would be able to say a bit more than if they you know if it was fred or whoever it was and you know and people recognizing voices and names and all the rest of it so I think there was a bit of a philosophy there, but then after about 2006, we we found out who people were, and some very very smart people, I guess, would go and use non de plume, I guess, so that they wouldn't get identified saying stuff. And this is this leads me on to that censorship thing. We do have to speak up now. I'm, I'm not a new voice on this, and we kind of need some new voices on it as well. But I think it is. It's not just Orwellian. I mean, people talked about you know, Russia and China and how bad they are, well, we're getting pretty close to that. They're, we're getting pretty close to that. If, I mean, if you're, if you're having, you know, supposedly Western countries saying, well, you know, we might perhaps find you for disagreeing with the government of the day, I think there's something a bit wrong with that. Yeah, mate, and the worst part is, you know, we're being sucked in, we're being distracted by fake, fake problems, and then we, we choose one side of the duopoly, the one that we agree with on the fake problems, right. and then as a result, we miss the boat when it comes to the issues that are irrevocable well, or will to lead to irrevocable parties. damage. This goes back to minor parties. I mean, to some of the minor parties, you know, the, the conventional thing is, oh, yes, well, they'd never become the government. Well, the reason they'd never become the government is because we don't vote for them in the kind of numbers to turn them into a major one. I mean, yeah, and, wouldn't it be interesting to see if some of those smaller parties actually turned into a larger party and those and Siv, major ones were actually reduced? See, the worst part about that is we've got preferential voting here, which means you can give the small parties a chance 
And if they don't get in, your vote goes where you intended it to go. And it doesn't just, you know, disappear into the ether as per the first past the post. So we've got no excuse for not giving the minor parties a go here. And certainly uh, a very lacklustre turnout uh, across the nation at the last federal election going the opposite direction than I expected. Siv, always an absolute pleasure. And we'll talk again soon. Happy New Year. You too, you too, and I and I really did enjoy that. I, it took me way back into the the, the old Brian Wilshire days when he would call out, "Hello there, we must do it again." It'll, it, it's 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 a <laughs> lot of fun. Good to talk to you, Dean. We'll do it. Take care, Siv. Coming up after the break, we're going to be talking to Jack David. Where? Right here at TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Joe Hoff. Just a terrible situation there, and Biden was behind it, pushing these arms, pushing billions of dollars over there. We don't know where that money went. I'll bet you money. I'll bet you a huge percent uh, went. I bet you more than fifty percent didn't go to the uh, to the people or to the war. Uh, it went to people's pockets, kind of like what we have in in uh, Palestine. Uh, with the U.S. since since well under Biden, uh, Trump shut this down, thank God. But under Biden, Obama, they started sending billions over to. Uh, that part of the world these people have been after Israel forever and and, uh, supported by Iran and billions of dollars going their way and uh, to help them not you know basically uh, create chaos in the Middle East terrorism and and we saw what happened earlier this year about a month ago uh, the two of one attack in Israel and the death and destruction rape and kidnapping more than 240 people kidnapped Joe Hoft on today's News Talk Radio TNT I was such a young age. Everything changed. My name is Chloe. When I was 13, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. When I found out, I just didn't know how to react. I felt like everything was just kind of closing in on me. It just became a routine. Dad's doing chemo. I'd come home from school, wait for mum to finish work, and we'd go straight to the hospital, spend a few hours there, just draw. It was hard to navigate going to school, hundreds of kids, and I was the only one with a dying dad. He was diagnosed in March, and then he died in October. Towards the end, I heard about canteen. It kind of felt nice to know that they had other people like me. They understood what I was going through, and we didn't even have to chat about cancer. In 2020, I became a youth ambassador, so I can help others the way they helped me. I've done so many things since I was 13. I've graduated high school, university, gotten my licence, made a move across the country. Life now is just a whole lot more fun. Please give a gift today to support more young people like me experiencing cancer. Today's News Talk Radio. I do a lot of streaming radio. I do a lot of free streaming. TNTradio.live And welcome back to the program. Just quickly looking at the online chat. Uh, Kevin writes, Dean, I thought the voice would have resulted in an 80-20. Yeah, mate, I, on the street, it was like 95 to 5. You factor in the people who vote uh, yes just to piss off those who are conservative because they, they don't like their opinions gen- generally. And again, something that I've mentioned many, many times, you're probably sick of me saying it, but I, I didn't realise until I spoke to Tara Reid, a woman who had made those historical uh, uh, sexual allegations against Joe Biden, and we interviewed her. And then I consulted, uh, well, before I did my research, I watched that Channel 9 60 Minutes interview where one of her friends who said, yeah, I believe it happened. And uh, yes, I've, I love her, you know, and Joe Biden, I do believe, sexually molested my friend. 
And when the woman asked her, so you wouldn't vote for Joe Biden at the next election, at the next election, would you? You'd obviously have to go for Trump. And because she hated Trump so much, more than somebody who she believed sexually assaulted her friend, she said, sadly, I'm going to have to go for Biden. And that taught me a hell of a lot. I, I couldn't believe that. And I just think that's a real eye opener. People don't vote for what they want anymore. They just vote against people they hate. And that's sad. It's it's a shame that we can't just look at people's, um, uh, not, not even their character, just their policies or, or what policies they're likely to implement. I think that would be a smarter way to go, but maybe that's just me. My next guest, Jack David, he's a gender critical gay rights activist from the north of England. He rejects the word queer as an umbrella term to be thrown under and believes dangerous gender ideology should be kept as far away from kids as possible. I completely concur. Jack David, welcome to the program. Good morning. Mate, thank you for coming on. I really do appreciate it. Mate, what you said about that whole umbrella, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I've got a lot of gay friends and we, we've had this conversation and I love your take on it before we get to what they're doing to the kids. This whole LGBT and then all the alphabet that come, comes after that, Again, they put everyone under one um, umbrella. I've got a tremendous amount of gay friends, but um, I've even got a, a friend who's trans, oh, a, a relative that's transgender in the family, and they're very different people. You know, and to put them all in the same umbrella, I think, is um, is insulting to, to people who who are gay and bisexual. I mean, that's just um, not to take away from anyone that's trans. I'm not. I'm not even doing that. I'm just saying, don't group people together who aren't alike. Well, it also, you know, it's, it insinuates that we all agree with the whole gender, uh, you know, ideology. And we don't, you know, we really don't. Same-sex attractive people are nothing to do with the TQ plus and everything else that like they just continue to add on to it. And that's just a fact. It, it must get uh, crazy and it must really do your head in when you get these numbers. Now, the numbers are rather frightening, more, more than 70. And you did say off air, we're probably just, you know, starting to find out these are just the numbers that we know of. More than 70 children aged three and four, and these are just the ones aged three and four, have been referred to the NHS gender clinic. And how could a kid possibly, how could a parent possibly have any clue what uh, a child thinks and what a child wants to be? I mean, my son is 15. He doesn't even know what he wants to do for a living yet. And he's he tops his class every class every year, and he still doesn't know what he wants to do for a living. How could a four or five-year-old know what gender they want to be? Sorry, I think I've lost my camera. Well, you can't, you know, and it's a horrifying statistic, 382 children. You know, that's an awful lot of parents or guardians or, you know, so-called medical professionals that, in my opinion, should be absolutely nowhere near children. Um, anyone involved in, you know, sending a child to a gender clinic, let alone six years and under, you know, presents a real safeguarding risk to children, in my opinion. It's... Um, would you agree it's, tan it's tantamount to grooming? I I would say it's it's at least that bad. It's it's a strong word that's looked down on at the moment, but I don't think there could be any better word for it currently. Um, what else would you call it? If you know it's in schools, it's being driven home by teachers. Um, it's everywhere you go. You know, if if a kid goes online now to look at this sort of stuff, they're immediately taken to sources that will affirm this belief straight away there's nothing that will you know guide them as to the dangers of the drugs that they've you know they're taking and stuff like that you they're in these echo chambers where people are telling them yeah you're right you know you're born into the wrong body uh, you know there's, there's there must be something wrong with you in that yeah. respect um what you know rather than talking to people who've actually gone through these sorts of you know treatments and stuff like that who 
you know, the detransitioners in particular who will tell you, um, you know, what it's really like to come off these drugs. It's sort of insinuated that if this is just a pause in puberty, but it's just not the case at all. You know, they, these have long lasting effects much further on in life for these for these kids. Yeah. I mean, whether you're talking about, you know, puberty blockers, uh, the immense damage that does uh, shortening most likely the life expectancy of anybody who takes them. Uh, you're creating, of course, from the perspective of big pharma, a patient for life, literally. Uh, and to, and and we've we've seen just you know the, the suicides, the people who are now adults who, as children, uh, you know, had their gender you know surgically and chemically altered, and they well, they. Sorry, I just want to read you. This was this was directly from Twitter yesterday and i want to read you this verbatim this comes yep. from dr helen webberley now to give you an idea of the sheer level of lunacy that we're dealing with here so and, and i quote so more than 70 children aged three and four were sent to tavistock uh, transgender clinic yes and that shows just how young you are when you first start to understand and realize your gender identity not forgetting these are the lucky ones that had parents who were able to also able to comprehend and undertake that quick learning curve so that's a doctor suggesting that a three-year-old knows that they're born into the wrong body. That what? that would you know, just a few years ago, that would have been child abuse. It's crazy. Well, man, I, I would still consider it to be child abuse. I don't care what I'm being told is right or wrong. But the simple fact is, uh, I think we we trust our gut instinct. As as to that, anybody who who has been around children who who uh, has nieces, nephews, or kids of their own knows full well that a child doesn't even start thinking in terms of that until a much later stage in life. And I would suggest that until they reach puberty, they absolutely could not possibly know who they who they are or what they want to do. Um, you know what what sexual persuasion they have. You really have no clue until those those hormones kick in and, and you reach puberty. Now, of course, I'll just read this part. Uh, NHS bosses are now considering introducing a minimum age of seven. I'm I'm thinking why not why not 14 or possibly 18 or never? Well, I, and they're I was saying seven. 18. Yeah, I was thinking 18. It, it's a much difference between what a seven-year-old knows what they think they want and a, and a four-year-old knowing what they think they want. Seriously. Because, you know, if, if your child came up to you and said, you know, I now identify as an alcoholic and, you know, smokes 40 a day, you won't give them a bottle of vodka and 40 Benson and Edges and tell them to crack on <laughs> with it. You tell them to stop being ridiculous. Yeah. And, and there's no way you would get it. But however, if your little boy comes up to you now and tells you that, you know, they think they're a little girl instead, you're supposed to affirm this immediately, everything they're saying, and rush them off to some gender clinic who will... It's not even, they don't go through the psychological evaluation that, you know, when it was transsexual back in the day before the term and the language was changed to gender, because gender incorporates everything. Whereas transsexual, you know, there was a very firm, you know, you're you've done something, you've gone through operations, you know, to, to sort you know, to, to, they would say change the opposite sex. I don't personally believe you can change sex. But when you open it up to gender, it just becomes everything. And like you said, a lot of these kids, especially at the Tavistock, <clears throat> if they'd have, you know, been allowed to go through puberty, they would have changed their mind on this. They yeah. would never have gone through, gone through with the treatments. And, you know, that's why I say any parent who has got a child that is, it says they're confused about their gender and says they're struggling with gender dysphoria, I would urge them to speak with the transitioners before you speak with people who will just affirm it because yeah. they'll tell you the real truth of it. I think that's some of the best advice you'd ever get. I've always said, 
how can you have an opinion on anything unless you've heard at least two, if not multiple sides of any argument? That's when you make a decision. That's then your opinion. Otherwise, all you're doing is is repeating somebody else's narrative or agenda. Well, it's like I said, you know, if if you'd have gone onto the internet even 10, 15 years ago and researched this, there would have been a whole lot of research for you to look at. That's now buried because it goes against the current narrative. Yep. So where if the kids go looking for this now to find, you know, uh, internet forums like Reddit and stuff like that, full of people who will instantly affirm every, you know, which are delusions when it comes down to it at the end of the day, they will instantly affirm this and tell them, yeah, you're 100% born in the wrong body. And I, I get it with parents. It must be, you know, from a parental point of view, it's difficult, you know, when your kids get to a certain age, especially with the internet now, unless you're really on top of it, it's easier for them to go under the radar. You know, you could be in an echo chamber where, you know, people are encouraging them to make life-changing decisions. And the internet is rife with it, believe me, absolutely rife with these places. But children of this age that we're talking about, three, four, five, and six, you need adults involved for this to happen, and a lot of adults. And we should be questioning what motive those adults have. You know, is it a case of we're trancing the gay away? Or is it, you know, social media virtue points to show how progressive and wonderful they are to everyone? Or, you know, or do they have an underlying issue, psychological issue that they've not dealt with? But in any of those scenarios, there is safeguarding risk to children, and that really needs to be investigated thoroughly. It certainly does. Jack, plenty more to talk about on the other side of the news headlines. We'll be back here at TNT with Jack David right after this. I got news. News! I got news for you. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. The UN is demanding Israel end unlawful killings in the occupied West Bank. Ukraine is crying foul, warning it won't be able to pay the salaries and pensions of 12 million people unless the West coughs up more cash for Kyiv. And US House Republicans are now investigating whether President Biden engaged in a conspiracy with his son Hunter to obstruct the House's investigation into allegations of corruption within the first family. Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab or Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. And welcome back to the program. I am with Jack David. Uh, just reading, uh, it's just horrific what's going on with this particular story. Uh, figures released by the Trust, first reported in, in uh, were showing a sharp rise in the number of children referred to the clinic for gender confusion. And of course, I would suggest any confusion they had were were injected into them. And I don't mean physically injected, I mean into their psyche by those around them. Uh, it's up from 136 in 2010, 2011 to wait for it. Now that, that was only what, you know, 12 years ago to 3,585 in the years 21 and to 22 that is a just horrific rise isn't it well it's it's not natural that's that's what it shows straight away you know this huge increase in kids identifying as a different gender isn't a coincidence you know any kids like i said searching this now will be led directly to sources which tells them that the wrong born in the wrong body anything else that goes against that notion is is literally buried as heresy now you know don't believe it or not i'm not that old you know, I, th I think I just scrape in just about as a millennial, apparently. <laughs> you know, but this wasn't happening when I was a kid. 
It wasn't happening when my parents were kids and it definitely wasn't happening when my grandparents were kids. And what's changed for this generation massively is the internet, you know, and, and more so social media. <clears throat> um, what we're dealing with now is very much a social contagion. You know, in the 90s, kids like me, we were obsessed with Pogs and Tamagotchis. These kids are obsessed with social media points. Yeah. You know, it's it's like social media credit, likes and views on videos, etc. And, you know, if you're a kid who, you know, who would have been like, you know, we all had kids in school who were socially awkward. They, were, they, they went on to be goths when I, when I was a kid. Yeah. But if you're socially awkward and you've got a group of people who's, you know, who you've got that back door into a group of friends and instantly gives you that validation that you've always been craving in your life. Obviously, you know, it's it's addictive to them. And victimhood seems to be the currency of the day. You know, whoever's got the greatest victimhood gets the greatest attention. And trans is an, is an easy way into that. And like I said, when you change the language to make it transgender rather than you know, transsexual, you don't have to do anything. You know, I think you, you just you just say I'm, I'm a different gender. That's, that's all you have to do. You raised a terrific point, and I think it correlates perfectly with those numbers that I just gave out. That uh, you know, those who advocate for it, they're all over the internet, and those who who uh, who are against it, you cannot find them. It is like heresy, it's sacrilege, if you will. And again, that strong correlation. It's got to the point now where some people consider it's almost trendy to uh, confuse your kids. I mean, that actress Megan Fox is a Perfect example. She's got three sons and she dresses them all like girls. Now, there might be an odd chance, you know, we know the numbers, that maybe one of those boys wanted to do that, possibly when they were older. But when all three are being dressed up like girls, I mean, again, I, I consider that just to be the worst form of parenting that I could possibly imagine. Well, it's it's not natural, is it? And, you, you know, you, it's highly, highly unlikely that three children have all come out as transgender you know, without some sort of input somewhere, you know, like you said, you, know, you, can, you may as well call it what it is, it's grooming. But three kids, it's it's just, you know, that's just not normal at all under any circumstances. But the problem is now with these kids is you've got a lot of adults who, you know, who are say they're transgender now, but they're cross-dressers. They're effectively cross-dressers. They haven't gone through uh, taking, you know, life-changing drugs. They haven't gone through irreversible life-changing surgeries. They'll they'll be cheerleaders for these kids from the sidelines because it affirms them. But they're not the ones that have set themselves up for a lifetime of medicalization and misery. You know, all they've done is put on a dress or wore boys' clothing. Or that's like, you know, they, they think a change of clothing changes your gender. But these kids are taking it to another level. And a lot of the time they're suffering with, you know, they, they're on the autism spectrum or, you know, they're suffering with some sort of compulsion like OCD or something. If you're, I, I suffered horrendously with OCD as a child. You know, if, if your compulsion was to change your body in some way, what they don't realise is that when they go down this route and they take the drugs and then the next step, obviously, surgeries and everything else, that compulsion doesn't go away. If you've not dealt with the underlying issue, all you're doing is putting a plaster over the cracks effectively. Yeah, I agree. And I think, Jack, I, and I'm pretty sure I can speak for you as well. If you and I were to meet a transgender adult who decided as an adult 
to make those changes and they're living a happy life, we'd, we'd give them a hug, we'd give them a high five. Do we would be like, yeah. more than happy with them. But it's when you're confusing children, suggesting to children at way, way too young, age, uh, young an age that this might be the case. It is, again, it's grooming. It should be criminalised. And here it is being pushed by the politicians, by the media, and for those of us who advocate against it. And it's not based on any kind of bias. It's not based on, on any kind of hatred or any of that. It's just a, a genuine care for children and for, for for their ultimate outcome and that any decision should solely, and this is for anything, should be solely the choice of that individual, but not until such time as they are old enough to make that decision. And even when you said, you know, that you thought 18 would be an appropriate minimum age, and I, I agree, I can remember doing things at 18 that at 28 I would have shook my head and said, I can't believe I did that. So, yeah. As, as boys, you know, a lot of us don't grow up until we get to our thirties. I was still doing really stupid stuff when I was, you know, mid-twenties. So the thought that a child, you know, under the age of 10, let alone under the age of 18, can make those sorts of decisions is crazy. You know, none of our parents would have given us the keys to the kingdom at that age and told us, go make those decisions whatever you want. But I, I do think there needs to be a real thorough investigation into parents who take their kids to these clinics you know they, you, they need to look into what you know what's going on with them too because it's not normal behavior it's not if we get to the crux of this um without the media without the media advocating for this i don't think it could possibly happen i think they are complicit in it i think they have everything to do with it um because unfortunately as we've learned um in society just with you know people succumbing to a narrative over the last three years that they were in danger. Turns out a lot of them probably weren't. And, uh, but we, it's a different topic for a different day, but we've learned that the media can convince people by way of fear. And one of the biggest fear factors is they tell people, if your children, if your child doesn't make this transition now, they may kill themselves when the yeah. numbers well, suggest that doing this to them is more likely to have that outcome. Yeah, it's, it's, it's either the same outcome or there's very little change whatsoever. But, you know, pa parents are being held hostage. You know, would you rather have a, you know, a trans child or a dead child? Yeah. That sort of language has got to stop because, you know, there's a certain amount of parents that I think, I do think it is a trendy thing. They do like to look, you know, virtuous and wonderful online to their friends, you know, if they're in the right circles. But I do think there's also a certain amount of parents that just genuinely believe that this is the only thing that will save the child. And that sort of, you know, emotional blackmail and pressure has to stop. Yeah, and it's a shame. It, it's bigotry in a way that's led to that because people, uh, as you said, in in that you know, you said within their circle, they will exclude people from their circle who they know won't agree with them, so they, that they feel that their decision is the best. And I think the best way to be an all-rounded, well-rounded person is to have friends from every diverse background and every every culture and every everything. I mean, I grew Absolutely. up in a suburb called Marigville. Every race, every type of person you can imagine, and I feel like I'm enriched by it, and I I mean that genuinely. Um, so yeah. I. I think, you know, and again, it's a matter of you, you can take the best aspects of all different cultures. I've got a lot of Maori friends, Indigenous New Zealanders, and having them in my life changed me to be a better, more outgoing and confident person in my late 20s. So I think it's terrific to surround yourself by people who uh, don't necessarily agree with you, but by people who you would like to be like. I think that's a, a good way to be. Well, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I was in certain groups, you know, on, on, on social media sites, and I very quickly became the wrong sort of gay in there yeah. because I hold the radical view that you can't change sex. 
And, and, and I don't believe that any of this should be anywhere near children. I don't think we should tell children the bone is the wrong bodies. And immediately, people I've known for years want nothing to do with me anymore, which is fine by me because it just whittles these people out. But <laughs> it's good, yeah. at, 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 the, at the same time, you know, it's it's concerning that someone who's known you for years will, you know, because they don't want to be kicked out of social circles, they don't want to lose the clicks in life, they will go along with something that, like I said, 10, 15 years ago, would have been widely considered child abuse, and in my opinion, still is. Yeah, Jack David, I think you're terrific, mate. I'm, I'm so happy that you're out there yeah. advocating for that, mate. And I love what you said. You know, those people, they're not real friends of ours, and, and they won't be missed. No. Jack David, thanks for coming on the program. I hope we can do it again some other time. Welcome. Thank you. That's Welcome. Jack David, everyone. We're going to be talking to the man of the moment, Omar Khan, TGIF. I love Fridays with Omar Khan here at TNT Radio. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. If by some unimaginable impossibility you're still trying to determine whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, ask yourself the following questions. Did you favor the Baphomet statue being erected at the Iowa State Capitol? Did you enjoy the school board swearing in on a stack of child pornography books? Do you find nothing objectionable about a homosexual sex tape being recorded in a Senate hearing room and posted online? And finally, did you just love the transgender nutcracker down a hallway hideously decorated by Dr. Jill Biden for Christmas at the White House? If the answer to one or more of these questions is yes, you might be a Democrat. In fact, you're definitely a Democrat. As for the rest of us, if you doubted that, in the words of Sarah Huckabee Sanders, this next election is the choice between normal and crazy, wonder no more. Last week said it all. From aginstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. Hi, I'm Susan Lucci. I never thought about heart disease until I had my own heart event. At first, like so many other women out there, I ignored my symptoms. A slight pressure on my chest, shortness of breath. I thought, I don't have time to be sick. I had a 90% blockage in my main artery and a 75% blockage in the adjacent artery. I received two stents in my arteries. Stents developed through research funded by the American Heart Association. Those stents saved my life. I'm so grateful to the American Heart Association their research helped save my life. I can enjoy life with my children, my grandchildren, and my friends. Please, listen to your heart. The only reason I'm here today is because I did. Learn more about the American Heart Association's life-saving work at helpheart.org. The conversation continues, continues with Dean Mackin on today's News Talk TNT Radio. It used to be TGIF, now it's TGIO. Thank God it's Omar, Omar Khan, global consultant to the stars. And he's on my program every single Friday afternoon. And I thank him for it. And if there's ever a time to get deep, it's a Friday afternoon as we get into the weekend. We're going to be talking about the infinite game. And I want you to tell us all about it. Omar Khan, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. Well, this will be out tomorrow. So if your listeners want to catch it, it'll be on ft.lk. Uh, the full article, 
And uh, I thought ringing in the end of the year, it'd be time to look at two types of games that are played, the finite game and the infinite game. And uh, just a quick definitional point. So if you want to get a college degree, that's a finite game. There's a moment at which it's achieved. Getting educated in the way that you're providing on a weekly basis with everything we're learning and so on, that's an infinite game. We can't ever say, well, we've learned everything. Yeah. And this is, of course, why the quackery of settled science was particularly pernicious, because science is an infinite game. It's not a finite game. I mean, there are few people more brilliant in history than Isaac Newton, who invented calculus, um, gave us an understanding of gravity, and yet his universe was superseded by quantum mechanics, not because he was wrong, but because we had fresh instruments and fresh capabilities with which to take a look and amplify our senses and see what the universe was composed of. So this article is really about how countries around the world have to stop playing finite games, uh, finite games of inflation and of endless idiotic wars and um, destroying businesses and seeking to have yet another pandemic scare or peddling the next vaccination shot. These are all just finite games, the infinite game of public health, the infinite game of uh, freedom or self-expression. These are games that we have to recommit to, but it takes an active citizenry, you know, to do it. What we went through 2020 to now was such a finite game of lock yourself up, um, follow the rules, and then what? And you know, Dean, the question you have to almost ask with these masters of the universe who seem to be the puppet masters of uh, what we're going through is what is the end game? In other words, if you have a world in which they can only hide behind uh, gated com compounds and flit off and all the small restaurants are gone, all the small artisanal businesses are gone, all local tourism is destroyed. What will it matter if you have a gazillion dollars? Yeah. I mean, you look forward to your next, you know, rationing of what uh, compost bugs with Bernays sauce. <laughs> you know, boy, that sounds, you know, that sounds like fun. And I don't think they've, I, I think it's on autopilot. And so that's really what I was trying to draw the distinction between. In, in all our lives, there's the finite game of, hey, I've got to get a family dinner organized. And then there's the infinite game of hopefully trying to build community over the holidays or reconnecting with people. Is does that just, make any sense? Yeah, it does. Is it just me or does it feel like that when it comes to the masters of the universe, they're playing some sort of finite game? They've got a thing they've called it Agenda 2030. Uh, they've obviously got an end date insight. They've obviously got a bunch of things that they wish to accomplish by a certain date. Uh, and I guess many of us are feeling it. And uh, some of us are fighting back, yourself, myself included, and most of those listening. But um, do you feel like you're part of a finite game at the moment being played by the big boys? I think we're part of a finite game that's been very poorly thought through. <clears throat> I don't think the implications of it have been considered. I don't think any cost benefit has been done. I, I think they're following a theology, 
right? I mean, the worst kind. I mean, more extreme than uh, ISIS, more extreme uh, than anybody you can name. Are these people for whom evidence doesn't matter, who've created a script out of thin air? I mean, the unsettled science of climate change supposed to run our lives. Uh, we're not supposed to be able to choose where we live, how we eat, what we do, because suddenly, and they have no evidence for any of this. I mean, the United States, which is one of the centerpieces of this, is a place where they spend more for health care and have the worst health outcomes of anywhere in the developed world. And so why are we taking our playbook, you know, from there? And that was true during the COVID era as well. The worst outcomes came from all the people setting policy. The UK, US, Australia, when it finally opened up, New Zealand, when it finally opened up. I mean, people should have been studying Africa <laughs> or, or, or Sweden or parts of Asia. But of course, no, they were too backward to know that they didn't need any of this crap. You know, you've hit the nail on the head when you say, you know, why are we still following this? But I mean, the, the point is, why are we still voting for the people who follow it? Because I would suggest the bulk of the population in, in the Western and probably even some of the third world absolutely isn't on board with anything that they're doing. Yeah, um, the um, I think the and, you know, there's a, another article I'm going to write. Somebody just pointed out that the truckers, you remember the Canadian truckers? I certainly do. I was very uh, proud of them. Yeah. And I think we all are, but somebody pointed out that they actually won. I mean, the story that is told uh, is that they were eventually beaten um, by Trudeau's, um, you know, goons um, and freezing of bank accounts and all the draconian measures yeah. that he undertook. But the truth is that he had to reverse that. Uh, the the funds were released. Um, the pro-lockdown leader of the Federal Conservative Party in Canada had to resign. Um, his longtime rival opposed to lockdowns came in. Uh, the Emergencies Act was withdrawn that he pushed in. Uh, he couldn't sustain it. And um, the Canadian you know, Senate did an about-face. So, and the lockdown measures were lifted soon after. So if you take a look at it, even though in the short run they could claim victory, as in we got them to back off, but in sub-zero temperature, these people succeeded in getting the world's attention. And I think the reason they backed down is they thought if they can do that in sub-zero temperature, what are they going to do when it's a bonnie 80 degrees? I'm not that it ever is in Canada, a bonnie 80 <laughs> degrees anywhere. But, yeah. but, you know, and I think why I'm raising that is if we retell that story as a story of success and victory rather than heroic but ultimate failure, then it tells us the power that exists uh, in activist communities who say, hell no. Yeah. That's why they will not let you see what happened on the other side of the temporary suspension of the protest and all of the positive ripple effects yep. and all the people who are toppled, you know, or displaced. But that's the story. If it's going to be done there, you know, we can do it elsewhere and we must. That's what you're saying. 
Yeah, mate, we absolutely have to do it. Now, I'm going to take you a little bit off script because there's nobody sure. I'd rather ask this question to. We're coming into a new year, 2024. Do you have any major predictions? Because I think your predictions would be absolutely uh, on point. Do you have any major predictions for anything big happening next year? Well, I can tell you a couple of battles that I think will come up. I can't predict which way the battles will break. Okay. Uh, I think the, uh, and, and again, I'm not going one way or the other, but I think what's happening in the Middle East can't be sustained. It just can't be, irrespective of who's to blame, irrespective of, you know, whether it's a measured response. Yeah. So I think there will have to be some reckoning there. I think the Ukraine thing cannot be sustained. I mean, it's already people are talking about stepping back from the precipice. So I think, again, there's going to, they're going to again do a whitewash. Oh, it was necessary. Given what we knew, we achieved some things. So I think there'll be a whitewash there. I don't think there'll be appetite for another one of these wars. At least I pray not. I think that if, I think the U.S. election will be an interesting uh, test of truth. Oh, yes. You know, will will anybody uh, from, you know, the Republican side, will a DeSantis be able to step forth into the breach? You know, will um, Trump just sail across and again, the Trump haters go nuts? And has Trump learned anything? Is that even possible with his makeup? <laughs> That's what we'll be watching. So I think it'll be a year of inflection points and transitions not of status quo. I don't think it can. The 2023 was kind of the aftermath. I think it'll 2024 will be the year of the inflection point. It has to be a year we reimagine what's possible. Omar Khan, absolutely always, mate, hang off every word that you say. On behalf of everybody here at TNT, those who work and, list and listen and watch, mate, I'd like to thank you for being part of the program and we can't wait to get you back on next year. Thank you. Enjoy the karaoke and keep fighting the good fight, my friend. Take care. We'll be back after this.